Hi everyone and welcome back to the Mystic Podcast. So as I mentioned previously um, today and for the next few weeks, for the next four episodes, we will be doing some bonus episodes where we cover um, four different movies which were mentioned during The Vampire Diaries. So starting off with today, we will be taking a look at Near Dark, which was released in 1987. So before we get into looking at this movie, I do want to say a huge thank you to all my new listeners. We've just been growing quicker and quicker. We are nearly at 200 plays slash downloads, which is just really amazing how rapid um, it's been growing. I really do appreciate it. And also we're nearly halfway to 100 Spotify listeners. And why this is a milestone for me is because I do film, I do record this Spotify using what well, I was formerly called Anchor, but it's now Spotify for podcasters. And if I reach 100 Spotify listeners, I can be monetized and start reading ads, which would mean a lot to me because, you know, obviously I'm doing this podcast as a hobby, but I do spend many, many hours every week researching about the episodes or the movies. It would just really mean a lot if I could get to that stage. So yes, we're, we're nearly halfway through, which is just, it's, it's amazing. I've been really enjoying this podcast. So a quick overview for today's podcast. Um, first of all, I would just give you like a brief kind of intro on what the movie is about. Um, then we will take a look at the characters, um, who played each character, about the director. Um, then we'll just briefly talk about the setting, where the movie is set. Then we will move on to looking at the plot. After looking at the plot, I will read some reviews that I found from critics on the internet. Um, we'll be looking at some trivia facts um, related to the movie. And then finally, I will say kind of like my overall thoughts and my ranking of this movie and conclude the podcast episode. I have to admit that if this movie wasn't mentioned in The Vampire Diaries, I probably would never have come across this movie. I'd never heard of it before. The sole reason why I watch this and I'm recording this podcast today is because um, the whole part of my Vampire Diaries, well, this whole podcast is a vampire-related media rewatch slash first watch podcast and as my main obsession regarding vampires is the vampire diaries it's mainly a vampire diaries themed rewatch podcast so you'll know that every episode if you're a new listener you won't notice but every episode i dissect each episode of the vampire diaries we're currently halfway through season one and because i don't want it to just end at that if they mention any vampire-related media, I also like to cover that as well. So that's this is the first time that I'm covering something that isn't The Vampire Diaries. Inside the episode, one of the episodes, they mentioned two vampire movies, Near Dark and The Lost Boys. And these were, funnily enough, both released in the same year. And that's why today we're starting off with Near Dark. And before we kind of like get into talking about the movie, I do want to say this up front that I did not enjoy this movie. I I didn't enjoy it at all, to be honest. As I said, because I'm into vampires, I can pretty much enjoy most vampire stuff like Twilight, um, there was First Kill on Netflix, Dracula-related stuff. Yeah, I pretty much enjoy any vampire media. Oh, this interview with the vampire as well, but yeah. This movie was extremely boring to me and I was skimming through the scenes. 
I just didn't enjoy it at all. It just really wasn't my kind of genre because basically this what this movie is is it's not your typical vampire movie. It's vampires plus western themed movie. So western movies, action movies, lots of violence and fighting just isn't my thing. And so from the get-go it just wasn't my cup of tea, but for the sake of this podcast, for the sake of um covering media that was mentioned in Vampire Diaries, I watched it today. And this movie is very much an opposite to the usual stereotypical vampire that you would see in most media. So most media tends to portray vampires as being like, you know, elegant vampires or like European vampires. It's very much a gothic genre and gothic genre is very much my kind of thing. Even in literature, I love Wuthering Heights, like those kind of gothic romance, dark romance is really my thing. Um, this is very much the opposite of it. It isn't really a love story, I would say, even though the two main characters are love interests. And um, so I do guess that one good thing about this is even someone who wouldn't be interested in vampires could you know, be introduced to the genre by watching this Western vampire movie. And another thing that they did, which is very different, is they don't make any references to vampires at all. So it's never, they don't use the word vampire once throughout the movie. There's no visuals that show their vampires, like for example, fangs being staked. The only thing that we have is that they burn in the sun and that they're immortal. And so it's very different to your typical vampire movie. And um, I do know that there's lots of like horror movie podcasts and this movie does have a huge cult following now. So I don't want anyone to get offended um, but by my opinion. I'm not really a movie person to begin with. So please don't take any offense um, by me saying that I don't enjoy this. So yeah, I just wanted to get that out of the way and next let's take a look at the cast and the director of the movie. This movie itself actually has um, a very famous cast. So first of all, for the director, um, the, director of the, the director of this movie is Catherine Bigelow and this was her solo directorial debut and she actually used to be married to James Cameron. So James Cameron is obviously a huge, huge director. He directed The Terminator, um, Titanic and Aliens. And Titanic is the first movie that I have a memory of watching. Um, I had it on video. Back in the day, we had videotapes. And yeah, I watched it so, so many times. It's not exactly the most suitable movie for um five six a five or six year old but i was obsessed with rose i even got my mother to make a replica necklace of the blue heart necklace that rose wears so yeah she was married to james cameron after this movie and they were married for about two three years i believe and funnily enough james cameron directed aliens and three cast members of aliens 
were casted in this movie as well. The main cast, the main character is Caleb Colton. He's a human that is turned into a vampire and he is played by Adrian Pasta. And apparently Adrian Pasta was the voice of Tony Stark slash Iron Man in the uh, Marvel anime. He was also apparently in Desperate Housewives. Uh, but only for three episodes. Now, the reason why I'm mentioning this is because I actually currently started watching Desperate Housewives for the first time. I started it, I'd say, two weeks and a half ago, and and I'm already on season five, over half the way, over half my way through the series. I've really, really been enjoying that. Um, I mean, obviously, when Desperate Housewives was released, I was still a child, so it was very much like my mom's generation that was watching it. But now, as like a mid twenties, I guess, early slash mid twenties person, like it's it's more entertaining to watch, and it does give me like Bravo Real Housewives vibes. Even Bravo's Andy said that he got inspiration for the whole Real Housewives franchise from Desperate Housewives. That's why I wanted to mention that, and I don't remember seeing him in the ep in the episodes. But then again, he was only in three episodes. Then the main female character is May. So May is the vampire that Caleb is in love with, and she is played by Jenny Wright. Jenny Wright, I think she doesn't do much acting anymore. Yeah, it says she's not active in acting anymore. She was active until nineteen ninety eight. So then we have the group of vampires. So for the group of vampires, we have Severin. Um, Severin is played by Bill Paxton, and unfortunately he passed away in 2017. Um, he was in many, many movies. He was even in Titanic, which I didn't know about. And just many movies that I don't know of, unfortunately. I'm not, as I said, I'm not really a movie person. And then we have the sort of couple of the vampire group. We have Diamondback and Jesse Hooker. So Jesse Hooker was played by Lance Herrickson. And Lance Herrickson was in Terminator. He was in Aliens. Just looking at the Wikipedia now, and he's in many movies, you guys. Even now, he's still active now. And then for the girlfriend, Diamondback, um, it's played, she's played by Jeanette Goldstein. Um, Jeanette Goldstein was, funnily enough, also in Terminator 2. She made a cameo appearance in Star Trek Generations and Titanic. And then Homer is the child, the child vampire who is actually old. And he co-writes um, with his partner and they together wrote the horror comedy The Final Girls. The Final Girls I actually watched because, you guys, Elena slash Catherine, um, played by Nina Dobrev, is in this movie. And this movie was really good. I really enjoyed this movie. It's like, it's not a scary movie at all. It's like a slasher and it has some comedy to it. So I definitely recommend that movie. That's interesting. I didn't know that he co-wrote that. Um, he was also in Halloween 3, um, and just in a whole lot of like horror movies. And it appears that now he focuses more on writing and producing. And wow, he also is an executive producer of Queen of the South. Um, Queen of the South, I think, finished, yeah, it's a five series. And I actually watched season one of that and it was pretty good. I need to continue watching that. So I think that's about all for like the main cast. But yeah, as I mentioned, Nia Dark features three actors from Aliens. 
Um, they'd also been in Terminator. And then, of course, Alien was directed by James Cameron, who eventually Catherine marries, uh, like, one or two years after this movie. Which I thought it was funny how, you know, everything connects together. And the soundtrack of this movie um, was produced... The soundtrack of this movie is by Tangerine Dream. So Tangerine Dream is a German electronic music band. And the music is very much like 80s electronic vibes. The music just... If there was different music playing, this movie could probably get away with being a more modern set movie. But it's the soundtrack that really makes you feel that you're time warped into the 80s. The movie itself is filmed in Arizona and several other states, but it's set in a small town in Oklahoma. And as the vampires are like very nomadic, they move around, um, we travel to several other states throughout the movie. So I think that's about all for cast and the music and settings. Let's take a look at the whole plot of this movie. We're going to start looking at the scenes of the movie. And before I start looking at them, I do want to say again that as I wasn't a huge fan of this movie, as I did not enjoy it, I'm not going to go in-depth and like dissect every single scene like I like to do with the Vampire Diaries. So we're just going to briefly go through it. In the beginning of the movie, um, we introduced to Caleb. He's talking to two other friends. Um, he sees May. So May's eating an ice cream cone. And I believe they made two vampire references here, like he asks for a bite and says that he's dying for a cone. So this movie very much uses these hidden references to um, show that May is a vampire, basically. And May asks him for a ride to where she's staying. She's staying at a trailer park or something. And when I first saw this scene in the movie, I didn't think that Caleb would be the main cast. I thought this was going to be like very much like the Vampire Diaries early episode setup where there's this random couple, random person we're introduced to and they're basically killed off at the beginning. They're just used as a prop to show that the so-called other character is a vampire. But it turns out that, you know, Caleb would last till the end and that he would be a love interest of May's. So they're driving home. It's the middle of the night. Um, so Caleb's driving her home, it's the middle of the night, they stop the truck once to look at the stars. And here we have another reference. So May mentions that she would still be here when the light from that star gets down here. And Caleb doesn't really take it seriously, he's like, oh that sounds fun, and that he'd want to be here too. So he's thinking very lightly about this, whereas May is really, she's talking realistically. And she's dropping a lot of subtle hints. So yeah, they keep making loads of stops throughout this ride home. So next, Caleb shows her his horse. And the horse gets extremely alarmed at May. And yet again, another hint that she's not a human. Because we see this a lot in horror movies. Um, we mainly see it in, I'd say, like paranormal movies or ghost movies where the dog senses that like the house is haunted or that there's a ghost. Right off the bat, I can't remember which movies I've seen this, but I do know that this happens a lot. The dogs tend to sense the negative entities or paranormal entities. They're off on their way back again and dawn is approaching. So May is starting to panic. Um, she just wants to get home quickly. You know, Caleb thinks it's just because her father is going to get angry with her, but it's because she's literally going to burn in the sun. And she's, and he starts to get very pushy to May. So because this is an 80s movie, there's not really much 
meaning behind there's not really much meaning behind it i'd say but if this was set as a current movie the bashing the the negative comments that Kaylee would receive would be countless they do kiss and when they kiss may bites him so i think this is the only feeding scene they have at first i thought oh she just fed on him and she's gonna leave so she runs away so she doesn't get burnt in the sun and Caleb is left behind, he's back at home, his sister and father spot him in the fields, um, but his whole, his face starts to kind of smolder, his whole face kind of starts to smolder and burn in the sun. Just when you think he's going to be reunited with his family, um, he's, he's pulled into the RV, so the RV is where the whole vampire gang is, and so... Yeah, the transformation in this movie from human to vampire is extremely, extremely quick. And even the whole cure that they have at the end, like that was really quick as well. So I would have to say I do prefer the Vampire Diaries transition. Um, in the Vampire Diaries, it's like, you know, you, you're not just bitten, but you have to be fed vampire blood and then die in order to become a vampire, which just makes more sense to me. Like, just one bite and becoming a vampire, it feels more like you're a zombie. So, I mean, even in this movie, they don't really portray vampires in a positive light. You see, many movies romanticize vampires. We see that in Vampire Diaries and Twilight. But in this movie, it makes you not want to be a vampire because they're not portrayed in a good way at all. It's very much treated as like a disease. Um, if you're bitten and if you become a vampire. So yeah, the transition is so quick because it's just one bite and you transition like that. And so I just prefer The Vampire Diaries because it gives you an option to choose. We've seen it with Vicky in season one, episode seven, uh, yeah, episode six, actually. Um, she drinks Damon's blood she dies, she wakes up, and she has about 24 hours. They have about a day to decide if they want to complete transition or not. And so I just like that they have a choice. And it just gives a better storyline because, you know, not everyone would necessarily choose a transition. And so it just gives you a better story to build with, I think. But anyways, going back to the movie, um, so he's taken into the RV, the vampire gang are there, Severin very much wants to kill him, uh, but then May reveals that she turned him, so the whole group decide to give Caleb a week to prove if he can be a part of this, if he can be a part of the group or not, um, to see if he can hunt and kill like them, if not, he will be permanently killed. So it's nighttime now, and so the group kind of like decide to separate um, and go to different places outside. Caleb decides that he wants to go home because obviously he's still confused. He doesn't know what's happening to him. And so he goes to a bus station and he can't afford the bus ticket. He gives up once. He goes to, he goes to a vending machine and he buys a candy bar. But when he eats it, he can't eat it. So it really depends on what vampire movie or TV show you're looking at. Some movies and TV shows, um, the vampires can function normally. We see that in, again, the Vampire Diaries. Other vampire media, they can't eat any human food or drinks at all. And this movie is like that too. So the police of a police officer gets really suspicious um, seeing Caleb. He thinks that Caleb's on drugs. And I do recall that 
the police officer's hand is like bandaged or something and there's blood. So I really thought that Caleb would feed on him or something or get vampires. But of course, this movie doesn't have any vampire, um, straight on vampire references. So we didn't, we didn't get to see any scenes like that, unfortunately. And the police officer, I guess, kind of feels sorry for him at the end and gives him the rest of the money to buy a bus ticket. And... Caleb gets on the bus and when we think he's going to make it home, he gets so sick. He gets so sick that he tells the bus driver that he wants to get off, so he's dropped off in the middle of nowhere. I would say I don't like bus drives at all. I don't like long car drives or airplane rides at all. Um, I'm the type of person to get anxiety, like being stuck in somewhere. And talking about that, I was stuck in an elevator um, last week. I'd say I have anxiety for many different things but one of my biggest fears is being trapped in somewhere that includes elevators so yeah I was with my partner my dog and we were riding the elevator to go up the elevator stopped and it wouldn't work you know I've been on elevators that you know you press once it takes a long time to start moving but this one was like it was moving up for a bit but we wouldn't say which floor we were on you know usually there's like the screen and you can see which floor you're on there was it was pitch black it was a complete nightmare and you know i thought well at least there's an emergency call button for elevators and the emergency call button didn't even work so i was of course com so i was of course completely useless because as i said um it's one of my biggest fears to be trapped and to be trapped in an elevator out of all places and so my partner was trying to fix the button. He was trying his best. I was just hugging our dog and panicking. And thank and then we were taken to the lobby floor again. Like the elevator just moved by itself. And we got out. But yeah, that was a very scary, stressful ordeal. Oh my gosh. Like I couldn't get on an elevator for a couple of days after that. Which is very inconvenient because we live on a very high floor. Which means I inevitably have to use the elevator. And also because it's such a high floor, the elevator ride is longer. So yes. So not just elevators, but I'd also hate to be trapped on a bus ride. Imagine if you feel really sick and you need to vomit. Yeah, I, I just I just hate being stuck on rides. That's why I don't really like long car rides. Like I do want to do road trips in the future. That would be fun going to different states. But the thought of being stuck in the middle of nowhere is very scary to me. Um, yes, <laughs> going back to the plot, um, he gets off the bus and May is waiting for him. So it's as if May was expecting this to happen. She knew that he wouldn't be able to survive on his own because he's transitioned, he needs blood. And so May feeds him and he instantly heals. So next they seek out a truck driver because May wants to teach him how to hunt, how to kill, so he can be a part of the group. But he ends up not being able to kill. So again, May ends up killing the truck driver for him and feeds him. And when drinking, like, I think he's so addicted to the blood that he can't stop. So May kind of warns him that if, if he drinks too much blood, it could kill her. So, you know, it would drain her out, basically. So once the group finds out that he can't hunt, they're extremely against it. And they're against him using May as well, I think. So we catch on to a bar scene of a horror movie podcast, go really into depth through these scenes, like the bar scene, 
for me, I'm not really into violence and fighting scenes, so I'm just gonna skim through this and summarize it. Basically, the vampire gang kills every single person inside this bar except for one person. So they leave this one person out um, purposefully for Caleb to kill because they want him to learn how to live their life, live their way of life, basically. Again, Caleb isn't able to kill. Um, so he lets the guy go and basically because of that, the escaped one is able to call the police and now the police are on the lookout for them. Um, I did mention how they're very nomadic, these vampires, they move around in their RV, uh, they move from state to state, and the reason why is because, you know, there's no compulsion in this series, so if they're going around killing people, causing fires and outbreaks, the police are going to catch on to them, and at least this was still in the past where there was no iPhones or like social media, but if this was a modern day, it would be extremely difficult to survive um, by killing people because, you know, there's facial recognition everywhere, there's cameras everywhere nowadays that we can't escape it. So unless there's compulsion, I'd say it's very difficult to be a modern vampire if you're killing people. I mean, if you're drinking blood bags and just feeding on animals, then yeah, you can survive. Um, and I will say um, that in the Vampire Diaries, we do see the effects of being a vampire in modern day life would have. Uh, we see this in like one of the, yeah, I think it's the last season. We do see the effects. So yes, definitely look forward to that. And because it's starting to become the day, um, they seek shelter at a motel. And of course, because the police now know about them, the police find them, and it's kind of like a whole shooting scene between the vampires and the police. So the vampires can't just come outside and attack the police because of their weakness is the sunlight. And they're just shooting each other, and Caleb decides to sacrifice himself by leaving the motel, and he goes to grab the sunlight-blocked van, so of course the, all the windows are blocked. All the windows are covered with screens to block the sunlight, and he ends up rescuing everyone. So because of this sacrifice that he made, the whole gang is really happy with him. There's kind of like some bonding going on, and they decide to give Caleb more time. And, you know, Caleb's kind of like, you know, making conversation with them, trying to get to know them. And one question he asks is, he asks how old Jesse is. And Jesse doesn't say his exact age, but he mentions that he fought for the South which is, of course, the Civil War. And again, another reference to the Vampire Diaries. You know, Damon fought in the Civil War and the Salvators, Salvatore brothers, Damon and Stefan, were born in the Civil War era as well. And I don't know if this is a coincidence or if there's a reason behind this. If you have any theories, please let me know. But I would say that most vampire stuff that I've watched is either set in old eras in Europe for example, Dracula, or it's set in the southern states. Like, I've noticed that American vampire content, a lot of it is set in the south. Even the Vampire Diaries are set in the south, and Interview the Vampire as well. They were in New Orleans. So, I don't know if there's a reason behind it. If you have any theories, please let me know. So, it's the next day, and they checked into yet another motel. And Caleb may have gone outside somewhere, like, to explore or something. The rest of the gang are inside the room playing cards. 
Homer goes outside and he spots Sarah at the vending machine. So, oh yes, I completely forgot to mention, but while the whole fiasco, while the whole adventure between the vampire gang and Caleb is going on, Sarah, his sister, and Caleb's father, um, they're searching, they've been traveling different states to find Caleb. So both of these plots are going on at the same time. And what, and funnily enough, um, they happen to be at the same motel. So Homer spots Sarah at the vending machine and because they're about the same age, Sarah trusts him and so she goes inside to the motel room with Homer. Nowadays I wouldn't imagine a parent letting their child go outside of a sketchy motel to get a drink, to buy a drink from the vending machine, but then again maybe you just wouldn't take your kids to a sketchy motel. When Caleb returns, he spots his dad and his sister and Caleb is telling them that he won't go home with them and I think that deep down by seeing his old life, well old life, I mean it's only been like two days, but by seeing his original family, he's really torn between this old family, his original family, and this new family of vampires. But because his love for his original family is so strong, he's, he's willing to sacrifice and just stay with this new family. So by him saying that he will stay with the vampires, it's kind of his way to portray that he's He's letting the vampires know that he's chosen them over his original family. But at the same time, he's doing this to keep his original family safe and alive. But things don't go to plan because Homer reveals that he wants to turn Sarah. And I think that this is because he's jealous of Caleb and May. And uh, I think Homer was, yeah, Homer originally was the one who turned May. And so he kind of feels that Caleb's taken May away from him. So Homer is obviously stuck in the body of a child. But he's actually very old. He's even older than Diamondback and Jesse. So imagine being stuck in a child's body. That would suck. I would hate to have that happen to me. We don't see many child vampires. I think the only child vampire I've seen recently is in True Blood in one of the later seasons and I always feel that the child vampires tend to be the more sinister ones. It's probably because they've been stuck in this child form for so long. <laughs> their personality is developed unlike their appearance and yeah the child vampires are the ones that seem to be more sinister and it just feels more creepy as well watching it. So Caleb's dad shoots Jesse who regurgitates the bullets. Um, Sarah manages to open the motel door and by doing this the sunlight creeps in, the vampires have to retreat back and this scene reminded me of The Vampire Diaries, the episode we watched just last week I think, yeah, episode 14, the tomb episode when Stefan comes to rescue Bonnie and Elena and Ben has to hide in the shadows um, behind the bed at the motel. So Caleb is burning and for some reason he suggests a blood transfusion which I just didn't get at all. Like I don't know where he got this theory that a blood transfusion would cure him but it does. By performing this blood transfusion he manages to reverse his transformation and he goes back to being a human. So I think the whole theory behind this is that by transfusing the blood they're replacing, um, they're removing the infected vampire blood inside him and replacing it with new uninfected blood. By the time it's the night time the vampires are out to get Caleb which is kind of obvious like you wouldn't think that the vampires would just give up. Like, the vampires know which town he's from, know where he lives. So they're under search, and 
Like I said, I kind of expected this. Uh, May distracts Caleb while the others attempt to kidnap Sarah. So while Caleb is searching for Sarah, he finds that his tires have been slashed. Um, so he goes on horseback. Severin catches up with him. He runs Severin over. And I think Severin survives that. And then Severin gets into the vehicle that Caleb is driving. So Caleb jumps out and the vehicle explodes. Yeah, that was a very brief explanation. As I said, please listen to other podcasts if you want to hear an in-depth insight into the whole plot and so the other vampires are after them too so we have jesse and diamondback and homer as well so i think homer is the first yeah homer is the next one to be killed off he's burns in the sunlight he's so desperate to get sarah but he just burns while chasing them and then jesse and diamondback um also eventually burn in the truck because they both set on fire the whole truck explodes and that's the end of the vampire gang and then we move on to the very last scene of the film where may wakes up and the transfusion has worked on her too she's been cured and she's a human and then the last line of the movie um she mentions that she's afraid and caleb says don't worry it's just the sun and it's just the sun and they hug and that's the end of the movie that was such a quick explanation of the plot and I apologize, but I just couldn't get myself to do my full-on research that I usually do. I just really didn't enjoy this movie, and I don't really have that many thoughts to say about it, but I will mention a few later. Um, but before that, I do want to next read some reviews that I found of this movie. So, reviews-wise, on IMDb, this was ranked 6.9... This was rated 6.9 out of 10. On Rotten Tomatoes, this was ranked... This was rated um, 83% for the critics, and then the audience score was 74%. Um, so, I'm going to read a couple of reviews that I found. Um, one critic comments if the combination of the vampire and western genres sounds appealing to you then you found a new favorite movie in Catherine Bigelow's Near Dark if it doesn't your mileage may vary and this person ranked it three out of five I will have to say that I this is exactly what I've been saying I completely agree with this it really depends on whether you're into the western genre and you're into fighting scenes if you're not then this isn't the movie for you and if you are into it, then I'll, I think you'll find that you'll really enjoy it. So this really depends on your preferences, I think. So let's take a look at some audience reviews. Let's read some of the bad reviews. So one person ranked this two stars out of five. They watched it last month and they said they find it really slow. Um, and they commented, I find it really slow and not at all intense, despite a lot of talent involved. Again, I really agree with this. The whole plot to me was very slow and it would suddenly change to a completely different scene. I didn't find it intense at all. The storyline wasn't intense to me. And yes, as this person says, there was a lot of talent involved. I did read the credentials. I did read um, the cast members earlier, but these are very well-known actors. And despite there being lots of talent, 
this movie didn't really make me feel anything. Another review, this is from last year. Um, this person says, Forget Twilight. These vampires burst into flame and then explode if they hang out in the sun. Which sort of makes you wonder why they hang out in long stretches of open road in the flat, notoriously sunny American Southwest. Instead of, well, anywhere else. And um, yeah, they continue on after that. But I just found this comment funny because that was a very good point that they pointed out. Um, because they're literally driving through deserts and farmlands and there's literally no shade anywhere. So say their car was to break down, they'd be stranded. Well, at least their screens are, you know, blacked out. But yeah, I thought that was true. There, there's nowhere for them to hide in the shade. And then one more review um this person ranked it a 4.5 out of 5 stars they ranked it pretty high and this person says interesting take on vampires overall i am more of a fan of lost boys when it comes to the genre but this is up there as one of the best in my opinion so this person apparently enjoyed the movie and then um another review i saw before was they mentioned that they saw lots of good reviews people raving about near dark they decided to watch it but didn't understand where it was good at all, which I agree with as well. So, yes. Um, it was fun looking at the reviews and um, talking about the Vampire Diaries again, when I re when I do each episode and I dissect each Vampire Diaries episode, I haven't ever read the reviews before, but I think from now on I'm going to look at IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, and maybe read some reviews at the end of each episode. I think that would be fun. So, yeah, that was the reviews. Um, I will save my rating at the very end. Um, before that, I want to quickly mention some trivia. So, one trivia fact is Lost Boys was released two months before this movie and so that's why this movie kind of got forgotten about because there was this big hype over Lost Boys and it's only until it's only until recently that the the um it's only until recently that Near Dark kind of developed this whole cult following and it's it's more popular now and Lost Boys is actually the movie I'm going to be covering next so I'm very much looking forward to comparing both the both of the movies because they were set in the same time. Um, another trivia from the movie is in the movie when Caleb is in Texas um, there's a movie playing in the background and that movie is actually Alien um, which I, I found that funny because you know three of the cast members from Aliens are in this movie too so I'm not sure if that was yeah it's probably intentional I think. Another fact is Johnny Depp originally auditioned, so Johnny Depp apparently auditioned for Caleb. And I'd have to say, if Johnny Depp was casted as Caleb, I probably would have wanted to watch it more. I do mention that the blood transfusion is something that I just didn't get. I didn't really like how they ended the movie. And apparently they got this whole idea of the blood transfusion from Bram Stoker's Dracula. And, you know, there's countless amounts of Dracula-related movies and TV shows, so in the very, very far future, because we still have Vampire Diaries, True Blood, and Twilight to cover. But in the very, very far future, I hope to do like a Dracula series where I, where I kind of dissect all Dracula-related media too. So we have three more trivia facts. Next one is 
they originally planned a different ending. And in this ending, they planned for Sarah to end with being infected. So she was going to start to be burned in the sun. But they dropped it because of the easy cure, which makes sense. Because if they didn't have this whole blood transfusion cure, I think it would have been really interesting to end with like the plot twist that Sarah is now a vampire. But because they've shown that the transfusion is so easy and May gets cured as well, it just wouldn't make sense. Next one is, you'll notice throughout this movie they don't mention any vampire references and they also don't kill each other using the typical vampire tools with fangs or something they use they use objects or weapons in this movie and i think this is because it's a western movie it's a western genre the very last trivia apparently they plan to do a remake of this film and the remake of the film was announced in october 2006 but unfortunately, in December 2008, the um, producer, Platinum Dunes producer, stated that the project had been put on hold due to similarities um, with Twilight. So Twilight was released in 2008. So again, it would be part two of them clashing with a vampire movie and being forgotten. You know, like how it happened with Lost Boys. I don't know if it's been fully... Maybe in the future we might see a remake though, because on Wikipedia it says that the project was put on hold. So you never know, uh, we might see a remake in the future. Um, if there was a remake, I guess I'd watch it because I went through the ordeal of having to go for this movie. So I may as well see if they, I may as well see if I prefer the remake or not. Um, but yes, unfortunately for now, there is no remake, there is no reboot. So um, I'm going to move on to my personal review of this movie. If I was to rank it out of 10, I kind of want to rank it at 2. Like, that's how much I really did not enjoy it. But I kind of feel bad ranking it for 2, and I don't want to get lots of hate, so I'm going to go for 3 out of 10. I don't think the movie itself is a bad movie. I think it's because of my personal preferences that I would rank this so low. Um, if you're into the Western genre, this would be a good movie, but it's just because I genuinely don't like movies that are full of violence and no dramatic storylines that I, I'd have to rank this at 3 out of 10. Um, I very much like typical vampire stories, gothic, dark, romantic stories. Yeah, there was too much violence for me and just not enough storyline. Like, I wanted to have, like, backstories of each vampire or just find out more about them. You know, I wasn't drawn to any character in this movie. I mean, even Caleb. Caleb is supposed to be the human, the human, the main character, but I just, I didn't really sympathize with him. He wasn't the most likable character. And, you know, none of the vampires I was particularly drawn to either. Um, I'd like to see Homer's backstory. I think Homer would have an interesting backstory. I just really didn't enjoy this, and it's not because it's an old movie, don't get me wrong. I mean, I've watched plenty of movies set in the 80s and the 90s, which I enjoyed. It's generally just the whole plot and the whole theme of the movie that I just didn't enjoy. And it was at the point where I couldn't even rewatch it. So when I record my podcasts, I always watch the episode or movie twice. So the first time I watch it without any interruptions, just watching it as a viewer. The second time is where I kind of like pause between each scene and make notes. But I couldn't even bring myself to watch it a second time. And that's where, you know, I 
that's where you can kind of see the line between me enjoying something and not enjoying something. It just really made me want to go back to the Vampire Diaries. I'm really missing the Vampire Diaries. And um, yeah, I'm just hoping that I will prefer Lost Boys. So overall, after I watched this movie and I didn't expect to not enjoy it as much as I did, I was kind of sad because I was like, what have I put myself to? Four weeks of non-Vampire Diaries content and what if I don't enjoy anything? But I ha I kind of have some hope for the Lost Boys because um, it's not, it's kind of like the opposite to what Near Dark is. And it seems that it was the more popular one. It seems that it's pretty popular. And then, of course, the second and third movie of The Lost Boys is set like 10, 15 years ago. So I'm just, fingers crossed, hoping that I can enjoy this. Yeah, so we do have three more weeks of non-Vampire Diaries content. I'm very sad. I just really want to get back to Vampire Diaries content. Um, but let's see. Hopefully, um, hopefully I'll have some different views next time. So... Yes, thank you if you tuned in to this episode. I do apologize um, if you like this movie. Please don't get offended by my opinions. Um, it's just a different genre to what I like. And if you are watching my podcast for the purpose of listening to the Vampire Diaries content, I'm very sorry, but yes, we're taking a one-month hiatus right now. I will be back, though, so please come back in three weeks' time when we'll be looking... Uh, when we will be continuing our rewatch. I do like to leave my podcast with a question of the day, with a question of the week. My question of the week is going to be a broad one. Um, I'm not going to ask for your thoughts about this movie. I'm going to ask, what is your favorite vampire-themed story? It can be a book, movie, TV series, anything. Please let me know what is your favorite vampire-related content. And hopefully we can discuss about that in the next episode. And hopefully I get some comments so I can talk about them in the beginning of the next episode. So yes, that is all for today's podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Please go check us out at The Mystic Podcast. We upload updates over there. And of course, um, don't forget to tune in every Sunday for a new episode. Next week, we'll be covering The Lost Boys 1987. Thank you and see you next Sunday. Bye.